BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoopball Nets Podcast. So we were supposed to record a podcast after the Nets' first game, but you know, we're college students. We had midterms. It's been a busy week for us, but we're back. We're here. We're ready to recap the Nets' first two games. The Nets are currently 1-1, one one, sitting at second in the Eastern Conference on their way to the NBA championship. Um, they played the Pistons the first game for their season opener, and they've lost the last five straight season openers, and this was no different. They ended up losing 103 to 100, and they shot 48.8% from the field, 18.5% from three. They only hit five of their 27 attempts, and they ended up shooting 68.2% from the free throw line. They had to play this game without Alan Crabb, Damari Carroll, and Shabazz Napier, and Ronda Hallis-Jefferson, so the Nets were shorthanded, and they ended up starting a lineup of D'Lo at the point, Karis Averett at the two, Joe Harris at the three, Jared Dudley at the four, and Jared Allen at the five. Their regular lineup won't look much different. It will just be Ronda Ronde Hollis at the four. They might actually wind up keeping Joe Harris yeah. at the three because he's been pretty good so far in the first two games but those are the only two that could potentially change so it's mainly the same lineup they actually shot a better percentage than the pistons at because the pistons shot 42.4 percent from the field compared to the nets 48.8 and they only made one less three as the pistons also shot poorly from behind the arc they were 25 percent from the three-point line they made one more three six of 24 however the nets shot However, the Pistons shot 86.4% from the free throw line, making 19 of their 22 attempts. So that kind of tilted it in their favor. We highlighted the Nets' biggest problems, and one of them was free throw shooting. One of them was free throw shooting. And the Pistons missed three of their 22 attempts, while the Nets shot 68% and lost by three. So make your free throws. And they were shorthanded. 
Make the free throws, win the game. Make the, the free throws, hit a couple more threes, and Nets could easily be 2-0 right now. Not even. They would have blown them out if they made a couple more threes and made their free throws. That's crazy. All they had to do was make four free throws or make one three, and the game I is tied. I didn't realize it until now, but the Nets could easily be 2-0. That would be insane. This game was easily in their reach. They blew the game, in my opinion. It really was. And if they would have won this game, it would have kind of felt like the start of a new era, at least for me. If they haven't won in the last five years for their season opener, they win this game and then beat the Knicks and prove that they're the best team in New York, at least for now, until Chris Depps comes back and be 2-0. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, back to the game recap. They lost the turnover battle. Which is something they're going to do a lot all season long. Wait, what? Lose, lose the turnover, turnover battle? battle? Yeah. They lost, wait till we get to the next game. They lost the turnover battle 17-14. to D'Lo, Dinwiddie, and Karis LeVert had nine combined. Also something that we're going to see exactly. a lot. Them combining for near double-digit or double-digit turnovers. <laughs> and then last but not least, the Nets allowed 14 offensive rebounds, which is a clear problem that, th- this, that we thought they had addressed. Well, this one is kind of tough because you're playing the best rebounder in yeah, basketball yeah, so that's, that's kind of I mean, you we're can't gonna penalize them really for that in this game because the overall rebound battle was close it was just offensive rebounds and it's drummond it's it's gonna be impossible to completely stop him on the glass he's probably the best rebounder in basketball right now so what impressed me about drummond's game was that he actually made a three in the game he was given the green light by Dwayne Casey, and he pulled the trigger and hit a three. So Drummond is looking like a new player. Um, and if Drummond starts hitting threes, that is scary. You got a man that is a literal monster in the paint. And Blake can hit threes. They, they'll just be deadly all around. A monster in the paint dunks on you, grabs every board, and then he can step out and hit a three. That is Insane. I mean, scary. granted, he did airball a three in a possession True. near the end of the game that did matter a lot. So it's not like he's Steph Curry just like, yeah. yet, but I mean, he did hit one. So moving on to the box score, uh, we're going to start with the Pistons. Blake Griffin had 26 points, eight rebounds, and six assists on eight of 17 shooting in 34 minutes. Andre Drummond had 24 points, 20 rebounds, two assists, and a block on 10 of 21 shooting in 32 minutes. And Reggie Jackson had 19 points, four assists, two rebounds, and a steal on seven of 20 shooting in 35 minutes. So the Nets really only gave up good games to the Pistons big three they weren't getting they didn't get lit up by Langston Galloway like they did in the preseason Langston Galloway also didn't play 35 minutes like he did in the preseason but still they only got lit up by the people they were I guess supposed to get lit up by and they they uh, 7 of 20 and 10 of 21 no 10 of 21 is still almost 50 percent but 7 of 20 isn't that good it isn't a good percentage I mean granted it is Reggie Jackson who is known for being inefficient but Still, solid defense yeah. for a team that defense was one of their biggest questions heading into the season. And they're missing their two best defensive players in Carroll and Rondé Hollis right now. Moving on to the next side, Nets side of things. Jared Dudley played the second most minutes on the team with 35 and ended up scoring one point. <laughs> okay, so Dudley will play all season. He'll play. But he will not start his when role, they're healthy. His role will drastically He will not be play more than 25 minutes in a single that, game when they're fully that, healthy. 25 is He should not a lot. see 20 minutes in a game. He's just there for defense. and A veteran presence. And a veteran presence. 
and being a shooter. He shouldn't like, be on the court, really. Like he like, shouldn't be on the court. He, he was. He's okay, especially with the pace that the Nets run at. Jared Dudley shouldn't has no place being on the court. And he showed it with over five. Exactly, he was over five from the field, but he did contribute three steals, assists, and rebounds. Um, moving on to the more prominent Nets players, Jared Allen had 17 points, 10 rebounds, and four blocks on six of ten shooting in 30 minutes. He even managed to knock down two triples, which was in. It was the most he hit the most threes on the Nets roster that and night. he hit them in the first half. Jared Allen hit the most threes on the Nets roster he that can night. Shoot now. That's insane. That, he worked on it. In I don't the think that shows how good Jared Allen is. I think that shows how bad of a game it was for the rest of the Nets. That's true. That's crazy. And he also had the block of the year, probably. They they the the picture the of him block the picture of him blocking Blake Griffin. The Nets hung it up in their locker room. Well, Blake, like, has, it's in their locker room. Well, good because Blake has time and time again posterized people with that same. That's move. the second. That's like the third time he pinned him twice in the preseason. And Jared Allen just blocked it like Blake that is it was done. all over Twitter. Uh, moving on, Joe Harris had 13 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists on 6 of 14 shooting. His he, shot was horribly off from 3-point range. He had one in the 4th quarter that was a clutch shot, but then he missed another one that could have been a clutch shot that could have tied the game. But, he was 1 of 7 from 3. Yeah, he he's a good hustle player for them. He might actually start because of how much he hustles and plays defense and he does have the ability to shoot well. He just didn't in this game. His shot was off in this game. Harris played a team-high 37 minutes, and it's good to see him getting involved in other aspects of the game, even though his shot wasn't falling tonight, as he contributed six rebounds and five assists. Um, D'Angelo Russell, the man that I so was ready to claim as the savior of the Nets, came out of the gate and scored eight points, two rebounds, and five assists on three of nine shooting in 24 minutes. We'll talk. We'll get to D'Lo later. Spencer Dinwiddie had 23 points, four rebounds, six assists on 10 of 18 shooting in 32 minutes, and the man of the hour, Karis LeVert, matched a career high with 27 points, four rebounds, and four assists, adding one steal and a block on 10 of 18 shooting in 33 minutes. The fact that Dinwiddie and LeVert shot 20 of 36 from the field, which is above 50% while that just proves the rest of the Nets shot horribly because those two carried the offense and shot over 50%. Literally carried. So that means nobody else aside from them two and Jared Allen shot the ball even close to well. If all three of them were above 50%, no, no one else on the team shot the ball well. So everyone else around them needs to pick up their game. But I think that will come when Carroll and Napier yeah, once and they get their full Colin Jefferson back. comes back. They were playing really shorthanded and only lost by three. So, And uh, Dinwiddie was clearly the better of the two guards, the two guards being D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie in this game. And it, sh- it really showed that this season will be basically no different from last and that if Kenny Atkinson sees D'Angelo Russell is not performing, he will not hesitate to pull him from the game. And if Spencer Dinwiddie is performing well, then he's obviously going to play more minutes than D'Angelo Russell. Uh, it it actually Russell didn't play a single minute in the fourth quarter, and that's crazy. I had a huge problem with that because I really believe that's the reason they lost. I don't care how bad he played until that point. 
He's your. He <sighs> has to. Him being on the court changes how the defense plays against you. And he's your best like shot creator. Why play Dudley or Joe Harris over him? And not run the three-guard lineup that you were talking about. Because at the end of the day, what? Uh, Jared Dudley got three rebounds. Okay, so... Okay, what, what, what was he? He did nothing. So I'd rather have D'Lo a scoring threat out there than Jared Dudley. The ideal lineup at the end of the game, for me, would have been D'Lo, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Joe Harris, and Jared Allen. They would have been out-rebounded. They were already out-rebounded. That was already happening. But... That's just three guards who can all handle the ball, and that gives the Pistons a lot to handle. And D'Lo being off the court limits what the Nets can do with Dudley just sitting in the corner waiting for a three. And it it completely shoots down his confidence because the next game he feels like he has to go out and score 10 in the first five minutes of the game for him to get a good amount of minutes. In the game against the Knicks, he started off so poorly again because he knows that he can miss one shot and not see the court for the next 15 minutes of the game. The thing is, for me, why keep Jared Dudley in the game for 35 minutes at the end of the game when what 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 was he providing for the team? He he got three rebounds. D'Lo had two. He didn't hit a single shot. He was 0 for 5. What was he doing that D'Lo couldn't? Who would you rather have take, if, if need be, who would you rather have take the final shot? Jared Dudley or D'Angelo Russell? Why would you give Jared, why not give D'Angelo Russell the experience? Like, I don't, I just don't understand it. But, moving on. They could have won the game. They, they like, should they, have they won They could have and should have won the well, game. Well, I think, I, if they were fully healthy, they would have won the game. If Kenny Atkinson decided to play D'Lo in the fourth quarter, they would have won the game. Like, there's so many aspects that could have changed this game. And there's no excuse for the fact that the players that were in the game just completely choked and lost the game. Free throws, rebounds, defense, turnovers, threes, turnovers, (laughs) all just melted down in the last three minutes. When it looked like they were about to win the game, they took a one-point lead, and then it all just went to garbage. Vanished. Kapoof. It all went away. As soon as they got a one-point lead, they all forgot how to play basketball. It was ridiculous. So, and, and even with that, they could have won the game. Lavert had the ball in his hands at the end of the game, down one, and he it's the ball. He drove to the basket and it slipped out of his hands, went out of bounds, game over, basically. The good thing is, though, what you like to see out of young players, especially the Nets' probably best young player, Cavs Levert, is that he knows what he did wrong. And after the game, he said that there were too many bodies in the lane and that he should have backed it out and got a better look. Which is really all you can ask for. Like he he's gonna make mistakes. He's gonna he's a young player. But if he re- the fact that he recognizes those mistakes and sees what he could have done better makes all the difference. And to the one final tidbit about this game, once again, the Nets shot under 30% from the three-point line and lost, which is the common factor in their in every L they've taken since the beginning of the preseason. Why have people who are labeled as shooters, if you're going to continuously shoot the three bad regardless? You have Alan Crabb, you have Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, all these people who are shooting primary players. And you can't hit a three. It does. Jarrett Allen was the best three point shooter in that game. That is such. That's disgraceful to say. Jarrett Allen was the best three point shooter in this game. 
Moving on to a more on a lighter note. Tonight, the, the Nets got their first win of the season in the battle for New York. After this is a, an important game for more multiple reasons. But they won their home opener, 107 to 105. They shot 49.3% from the field, 40% from the three-point line. They went 12 of 30, uh, which almost tripled their total made threes from the Pistons game. And miraculously, they shot 87% from the free throw line. Uh, They went with the same starting lineup as last game. They were outscored 26 to 17 in the third quarter. And this is kind of becoming a trend out of the first two games, and they got outscored by a good amount in third quarters in the preseason. They were outscored coming out of the half in the Detroit game as well, so they clearly need to work on their intensity starting the second half. Uh, they they won the game. Even This is one of the craziest stats. They won the game even though they lost a turnover battle 22-3. to Th- That's insane. Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, D'Lo, and Joe Harris alone had four turnovers each, which means the each of them had more turnovers individually than the Knicks had as a team. And once again, the three guards, three-headed monster, twelve turnovers. <laughs> like, come That's on. That's all we're gonna see all season long. It's you're going to take the good with the bad, but they're not going to take care of the ball no matter what. You're going to have 10 turnovers between the three of them most nights. And don't get me wrong. We're excited that the Nets won this game, but it should not have been this close. There's no way. if, if Let's say the Nets limit their turnovers to 15, 12, 10. They could have blown the Knicks out the water. They can be so much better than they are. They, they, and once again, they are missing Rondé Hollis and exactly. Damari Carroll. And They're 1-1 and, one and could be 2-0 and oh without three players who are going to play on a daily basis. So uh, they, they won the rebounding battle by a sizable margin, 55-36, to 36, which undoubtedly contributed big time to them winning. However, they still allowed 12 offensive rebounds, which is, is a little iffy. That is because they played the best offensive rebounder in basketball. Enos Cantor. And Enos Cantor. We'll see how it is when they play... A team with decent big men as opposed to the best defensive rebounder and then the best offensive rebounder. But we'll see how they play against the Pacers. Yeah, that the Pacers have Sabonis who can grab boards and Miles Turner, but they should be able to limit them to less than 10 offensive rebounds. On to the box score. We're going to start with the Knicks. Enos Cantor had 29 points. 10 rebound, 29 points and 10 rebounds on 12 of 18 shooting at 35 minutes. Tim Hardaway Jr. also had 29 points. He added two rebounds and three steals on 10 of 25 shooting in 36 minutes. And rookie Kevin Knox notched 17 points and six rebounds on 7 of 14 shooting in 28 minutes. Tim Hardaway took 25 shots and only got 29 points. That I know. Tim Hardaway's coming out banging this, this season. They're giving him the green light, clearly. And he's playing 36 minutes, so he don't have a leash like D'Angelo Russell. Moving on to the net. Spencer Dinwiddie had 10 points, 3 rebounds, and 6 assists on 4 of 12 shooting in 31 minutes. Jared Allen managed to get 15 points and 11 rebounds while also adding another 4 blocks, which is the same amount he had last game, on 6 of 8 shooting in 33 minutes. D'Lo kind of bounced back, had a much better game. Well, he did bounce back, being that he started the game really slow, so he heated up toward the end of the game, ended with 15, 
five rebounds, six assists, five of 12 shooting. And he actually played 33 minutes this time instead it's, of his 25, 24 from the last game. It's shocking because D'Lo and Dinwiddie both played 30 minutes. Yes, that's what it's it should be. It's rare that that happens. That's what it should be. And Karis LeVert, the star the of the star night of the for Nets. the second straight game. 28, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. He, the, the, the 28. Uh, set his own career high after matching his it career high the game in before. two nights. On 8 of 13 shooting in 32 minutes. So He scored 28 in 13 shots. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. And he is playing very well right now. And it shows that's like why. hyper efficient. It shows why all his teammates hyped him up before the season. That is insanely efficient. Alan Crabb returned to this game, and he scored five points on f- and four rebounds on two of seven shooting in 18 minutes. I mean, it was an okay game. His yeah, first he's game still getting back, his feedback under. the rust off, whatever. And we will move to the rookie report. Jean Musa hasn't played yet, so this is basically just on Rodion's Kuroks. But in two games, he has played in both games. He averages 14 minutes. And he has averaged seven points and three rebounds on 40% shooting in those 14 minutes. So he's provided a decent bench role for them. He's come in. He had 11 points in the Knicks game when they won off the bench. So he's actually been pretty solid for them off the bench and was a steal in the second round, in my opinion. And now moving on to our most coveted segment, the Brooklyn Baller of the Week. It's our first, actually, the first ever Brooklyn Baller of the Week. And if you can't guess who it is, then should we explain to them what it is? It's pretty self-explanatory. The Brooklyn Baller of the Week is going to come at the last episode of each week, probably from a basis of two to three games that we will decide. And it's just the player who played the best that week, and then. Around mid-season, we'll have the Brooklyn baller of the the season so far and then do it for the end of the season. So for the end of the season, we're kind of going to count total all of the Brooklyn ballers of the week. And get whoever has the most by the end of the season is going to be the Brooklyn baller of the year. Right now, it's looking like it's undoubtedly going to be Karis LeVert, but you never know. Things could change. And he is the Brooklyn baller of the week for week one. He averaged 27.5 points, 5 rebounds, 4.5 assists on 58% shooting in 33 minutes. And he is the only player on the team who is super reliable from the free throw line while also attempting 19 free throws in two games. He's 17 for 19. So he is doing everything right except turnovers right now. It's crazy how much he scores considering he doesn't shoot threes. He literally gets like Tim Hardaway Jr. and was guarding him for the night. They're both Michigan team. They were they were teammates at Michigan. Tim Hardaway beat himself up for how Lavert performed. He said he knows his game inside and out, and he knew that he was going to try and get to the basket. He was getting to the same spot all night. He knew that he was heating up and playing well. So the fact that he couldn't guard him, he was upset with himself after the game about it it's really a testament to how good of a player Karis LeVert is that you can score 20 you can average 27.5 points by going to just straight bullying people to the basket and this is he can shoot he just looks for the most efficient shot if he's open he will take the three but 
he always tries to get to a basket first. That's just the type of player that and he is. And to me, it kind of feels like a change of pace, like a ch- uh, the passing of the guard, like a new era for Nets basketball. And I'm super excited to be covering it. But in the light, like last year, I feel like the Nets would have lost this game. Or last year, everyone would have expected the ball to go to D'Angelo Russell. But I'm perfectly fine with Karis Avert getting the ball. Karis Avert so- is their best player. Okay. And that's so, so hard for me so to say last, because I'm a big D'Lo fan. Last episode, I was the one who said Karis Levert should have the ball in his hands. Karis Levert should bring the <laughs> ball up. Karis Levert should run the offense. And you called me an idiot. <laughs> you said that that was stupid. And, and, okay, okay, okay. Let's, be, seemingly, let's, let's keep it real here. It's only been two games. So Karis Levert could... Theoretically, crash and burn in the next game, and that's not going to happen. He is going to have the ball. Wait, in how his much hands. do you think Karis averages for the season? I believe he averages about nineteen five and six. I think Karis is going to break the twenty point mark. This I season. think he'll be just under twenty. He actually has a real shot of making the All Star team this year. Imagine because of numbers Karis like that. made the All Star team because. Out of anyone on the team, it's not looking like it's D-Lo right now. It's I'm going to go like on a limb. Be... I'm going to say right now, Karis, hot take. Karis is making the All-Star team. But Another hot take. The Nets are making about, the playoffs. I think, look, if they're 1-1, one and one, could be 2-0. and oh, Without Damari Carroll and Rondé Hollis, who are not at all bad if players. the Nets make the playoffs and Karis averages 20 and makes the All-Star team, he's most improved player. Easy. Easy. I I think he really has a shot at most improved. Easily. I, it's a real shot that they make the playoffs. Like, if you look at the East up and down, there's weak teams like the Bulls, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Magic, the Knicks, the Hornets. And to me, the, the Nets. The Magic. The Net, yeah, I said the Magic. The Nets are better than all of them. The Okay, so the Hornets, Bulls, Cavs, Hawks. And Magic make up the bottom five. So that leaves ten teams. So the Nets will essentially have to fight with the Pistons and the Heat for the eighth seed. And I think they can easily beat both of them out if they're fully healthy. This team is going to be the underdog. No one's going to look at them and see them as a good team because... People like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen have not made an official name for themselves yet. They haven't had a signature moment, but they are good players, and the Nets are actually becoming a good team the way they are developing together. As of right now, the Nets have are, are second in the Eastern Conference, so they've got as good a chance at the <laughs> championship as anybody. But looking ahead... Uh, come tomorrow night. Well, by the time you're listening this, by the time you're listening to this, probably tonight, the the Nets will be playing the Pacers, who are also one and one. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with offensive rebounds. We'll be watching for that. We'll be watching to see how much how they guard Darren Collison and Corey Joseph. And basically the the Pacers backcourt because we know Oladipo is most likely going to light them up, but. How they guard. Nets one fourteen, Pacers one oh three. Nets win. Ah. Player of the game, Spencer Dinwiddie. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Nets. Uh, I'm gonna say the Nets win too. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna give a score. We can. I'm gonna I mean, latch onto I'm, your horse. If I'm right, I look like a goo. <laughs> so I'm calling one fourteen one oh three. I'm gonna say the Nets win and advance to two and one tomorrow. Well, tonight. Whenever you guys are listening to this, when the pace when they play the Pacers, they're gonna win and they're gonna be two and one. But that's all we got for you guys this episode. Thank y'all for listening. We appreciate it. First two games of the season. Look out for basically daily or every other day podcasts from us. If you guys want to follow us on Twitter, at HoopBallNets. Individually, I'm at Najee Adams on Twitter. If you don't know how to spell Najee, it's N-A-J-E-E, Adams underscore. Hunter. Hunter underscore J-K-R. But yeah, that's all we got for you guys this time. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.